Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Recently, when having conversations with young people, I've noticed that quite a few of them aren't all that excited about reconnecting with other people in person once it's decided that it's safe to do so. And during these conversations with youth who are resistant, maybe even hesitant to reconnect with the people, the places, and activities that they once did pre-pandemic, I've begun to compare these in-person social interactions, call them get-togethers and activities, to the parental advice or direction that many of us received while growing up, which was, eat your vegetables. Even though many of us didn't want to when we were kids, we were encouraged to, or flat out instructed to, eat our vegetables. And when we replied to that direction with some version of, but I don't want to, or uh, I hate vegetables, we were told to eat them anyways. Because eating our veggies was good for us. So many young people, and adults for that matter, may be hesitant or even refuse to put themselves out there and reconnect with the people, the places, the activities that they did pre-pandemic. And that's okay. And quite understandable. Quite understandable that many people will feel that way. But I believe strongly that even though people may not want to, we will need to. And it may be the case that you will need to remind your child or maybe even remind yourself that even though you don't want to, we need to be with people in person because it's good for us. And again, I'm referring to when you as a family decide that it is safe to do so. The point that I'm trying to make is that your child may need some encouragement, some reminders that being around people is good for them. Whether they're an extrovert or introvert, it is good for human beings to be in the company of others. And even though we might not feel like doing it initially, at some point, we will get used to it. And eventually, we'll get back to being excited about it. This past year, for many of us, when we have seen people, you know, like out in the wild, which I guess can be described as any location outside of our homes. But when we have seen people outside of our residence, many of us have been thinking and categorizing these people, these human beings, under the category of contagious and not under the category of a possible connection. And yes, this has been the case for very good reason. But I think, I hope, that we are headed towards a time when it will be safe to think about connection and not only focus on how someone could be contagious. Personally, during the first few months of this pandemic, I had the realization that when I would see another person wearing a mask, there was a part of me that was alarmed. And now, fast forward a year later, when I see someone not wearing a mask, there is a part of me that is alarmed as well. For so many of us, every time we encounter a stranger who is wearing a mask, there is an internal sort of neural battle going on between our ears in assessing the trustworthiness of that other person. And this consistent cognitive confusion can be quite draining. And just to be clear, I am not saying that people shouldn't be wearing a mask. Not at all wear a mask. But I just want to acknowledge that due to our wiring, this hasn't been something for many of us that it has been easy to get used to. Additionally, I think it's worth bringing up that when I've been talking with young people about the prospect of reconnecting with people outside their homes, many of them have shared that they have been confused, frustrated, 
or disheartened by the fact that they aren't as enthused about connecting with others as they think they should be. And this is where our expectations of how we should feel about something gets us into trouble and ultimately becomes really unhelpful. Many people are having a sort of thought that sounds like, uh, shouldn't I be ecstatic about reconnecting with my friends? Maybe even some extended family and other people? Should I be stoked about that? Well, there are actually several reasons why it's quite understandable that this wouldn't be the case. For the people who have taken this pandemic seriously, it will be, in a way, quite a drastic change to again see people as not contagious, but to view that person as a human being. And next level, an opportunity for connection. When you think about it, up until March of last year, for many of us, when we would see someone approaching us wearing a mask, that would often trigger a negative emotion. And that negative emotion could come in the form of uh, uh, fear, uncertainty, anxiety, hesitation, or distrust. And this does depend on the culture you grew up in. But for many people, a big part of how we assess the safety, the mood, the intent of another person is by being able to read a stranger's facial expressions. And even though seeing someone wearing a mask has become a common occurrence in this past year, doesn't mean that our older and more reactive wiring has changed in any significant way. When someone wears a mask, that used to usually be associated with that person trying to hide their identity. And that can be quite unsettling because you may think that person may have nefarious or criminal motivations for covering their face. Now, it is the newer and slower part of our brain that is able to see, and by see, I mean understand and categorize someone wearing a mask as a person who's being responsible and not someone to be afraid of. It's something that we do. We look at other people's faces to assess their emotional state. Klaus Christian Carbon, who's a professor of psychology and researcher, says this, face masks cover, per definition, a major part of the human face, which can crucially affect social interaction. Our faces provide the key information of personal identity and additional social important information such as trustworthiness, as well as fine-grained information that allows for reading the other's emotional state via expression analysis. End of quote. To put it more simply, our nonverbal communication is significantly impaired while wearing a mask. I guess a comparison could be like uh, uh, trying to talk to another person while you're both underwater. If you haven't done this before, next time you're at a pool, give it a try. It's a lot of fun. But back to it. When you're underwater, you can sort of get a short point across, but much is lost. It could sound something like this. Sorry about that. Um, so I share all of that to say, for many people, including our youth, it may be difficult and a bit scary to transition to in-person and eventually maskless interactions with other people. And that is to be expected. And just speaking for myself here, recently, after being fully vaccinated, I was surprised and a little concerned about my reaction to reconnecting with the people, places, and activities that I cherished pre-pandemic. And this is an experience that I know many other people are having. I think the reminder needed is that this isn't an indication that something is wrong with you or that this is something you shouldn't be feeling. But instead, maybe a different perspective would be more accurate. It may be a case of needing to remember that hanging out with people in person when it's safe to do so 
is a lot like remembering to eat your vegetables. Little side note here. This eat your vegetables campaign of mine, it hasn't been all that uh, uh, effective because many of the youth I work with are highly confused by the analogy because they've said things like, I'm sorry, Nick, I don't, uh, I'm sorry, don't get it. Personally, I've always loved eating vegetables. And to that I'd said, well then, this analogy is entirely useless, isn't it? But I digress. Many of us, initially, might not be enthused about the prospect of reconnecting with others in person. But we need to, because it's good for us. And while we may be hesitant to reconnect, another helpful reminder needed is that with repetition, we will get used to it. And eventually, and I do believe this will arrive sooner than one may think, we will again be enthused. We're going to be excited about reconnecting with the people, the places, the activities that are essential for our well-being. And to take this eating your vegetables comparison even further, if you're anything like me growing up, back in the day, it took quite a bit of ranch dressing to get those veggies down the hatch to the point where, if I'm being honest, the, uh, the baby carrots or the uh, broccoli florets that I did eat, they were just vessels to deliver the ranch directly to my face. Oh, there it is. There's an idea. Make a spoon out of carrots or uh, spinach, spinach spoon, maybe a uh, fennel fork. So after you've enjoyed the tasty stuff, you can feel good about yourself by actually eating the flatware. Shark tank, here I come. But uh, sorry. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make with this ranch dressing comparison is that your kids, they may need some encouragement to reconnect socially with the world around them. Definitely encouragement. Maybe even a little bit of prodding. Some inspiration uh, incentives. Maybe a uh, stimulus package of persuasion. This might be what's needed. Yes, I'm speaking of possible bribery. And that's not something I ever support. But for some young people, I see this as being benign bribery due to just how important it is for our young people to develop the social skills that are needed to make and maintain meaningful relationships. We are social creatures. All of us. And all the research backs this up. As Daniel Siegel says, what's the number one predictor of mental health, physical health, longevity, and happiness? Meaningful relationships. Relationships, relationships, relationships. End of quote. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that a whole lot of that meaning that makes up those meaningful relationships, well, it comes from us taking the time taking the time out of our busy schedules to be with friends and family in person. And I think I've shared it on here before, but when I was little and learning how to spell, my dad would point at different things while we'd be driving around or he would just say different words out loud and then I would have to spell them. And I remember I was getting pretty good at this little game to the point where I was able to spell some six, seven, eight letter words. And while I was doing this, my dad would often throw in a curveball by saying, how do you spell love, Nick? And I would say something like, Oh, that one's so easy. Come on. Love is spelled L-O-V-E. And he would say, no, Nick. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And for many years, I thought this love is spelled T-I-M-E thing was an original from my dad. But it turns out there are a half dozen people who claim that quote. But I'll always remember the message. And it's a message that I think many of our young people need to hear as they begin to reconnect with the people, 
the places and the activities that are necessary, that are needed to live a balanced and fulfilling life. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.